0: There are over 700,000 sexual offenders in the United States alone. With all the social media these days, how can we protect ourselves and our children from these despicable predators?
1: Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast, where we discuss criminal cases that involve some factor of abuse. Our goal is to spread awareness of abuse that could be taking place around any of us and encourage everyone to take responsibility and report if they see a child or an adult being abused. We talk about a lot of abuse on this show, and generally a person can recognize when they're being abused, but is it possible to be abused without even realizing it? Can people being abused still feel like they're in control, even when they're not? This week, we interviewed Kate from the Ignorance Was Bliss podcast. She shared two stories with us that showed just how easy it is to fall into a potentially dangerous situation without even realizing it.
2: I'm one of the very earliest stories about why the internet is dangerous and why you have to educate kids. And now I'm older, a lot older than you guys. I'm 41. So this was in the days before the World Wide Web, before AOL. This is back in the days of what were called bulletin board systems, BBS, and for those you know on the wrong side of the millennial wave of listeners it's text only and it's like dialing into every individual website you want to go to sort of you know like if you go to discord now and they have the text-based forums that's what many of them were like
1: so we're not talking about like a coffee shop you're you mean like a bulletin board website yeah or, oh wow
0: I'm glad you explained.
2: <laughs> I'm it, mostly it was colleges. And so if mm-hmm. you wanted to go and talk to a bunch of engineers or a bunch of fiction writers or a bunch of people talking about music, you could do that. But you kind of had to dial a different phone number and it was a modem. And you can, you know, if you want to add in sound effects, go find the noise of an old modem.
1: Oh, man. Boop
2: okay. uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I remember that.
2: So... I lived in upstate New York, and the college system, the state system in New York is called SUNY, State University of New York. And I was a nerd back when it was not cool to be a nerd <laughs> at all. And I would log on to one of the SUNY college bbs's and it was a lot of people talking mostly if i recall about music and about engineering and robotics and just whatever we were all there you had to be an uber nerd to be online at this point like this is before al gore okay so
1: (laughs) i figure it was a lot more exciting experience back then when you when you're not raised with it
2: i mean exciting except there were no photos like Mm. these this is like the dark web kind of Uh, Uh. uh, uh, yeah Uh, let's pretend people have seen that but like a lot of the dark web is not (laughs) photo-based yet but it's how you connect with people and then they could email you a photo directly or send you to a certain you'd literally write letters you know early 90s and the first person that I met online I you know I mean I met Many people in the sense that, like, I've met you guys, although we haven't met met, But the first person that I ever face-to-face met was a guy that I gave him a pseudonym in another show. And I can't remember what it was. So we'll just call him Jeff. It's Jeff. That's fine. Um, mm-hmm. I was 14. So this is 91, here or take. And he was 25. And I didn't oh. know he was 25. But I thought he was around 18. So, like, I came into this with the full knowledge of I'm 14, you're 18, cool, right? You feel special. Mm. You feel like something about me is cooler than all of the 18-year-olds he knows. Totally,
0: you're taking it in stride.
2: You know, and... And I was, I've never been, you know, luckily I was raised in a household where physical appearance was not especially valued over other things. This is why I was on a bulletin board system in the early 90s. But, <laughs> but I was not especially, it's not, attractive is not the word I want because I was fine. I looked fine. I see the pictures and I looked fine and I didn't walk around thinking, oh, I'm ugly. But I also didn't value it a whole lot. So this experience of feeling attractive, like even in a virtual sense, was very new. Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) okay, I'm going to max out my nerd cred right now (laughs) because I was smart enough that the first time I met Jeff was, I was in the high school marching band. And so he met me at a football game when I was in full high school marching marching uh-huh. band uniform.
3: Mm-hmm. What
1: did you play in marching band?
2: I played uh, marimba and xylophone. I, d- I was in the pit. So I played oh, mallet oh. instruments mostly. Awesome. It was fun. Um, so he met me there and didn't... <laughs> the f- I mean, the first warning sign, I guess, is that he didn't run screaming, right? When he sees a child in a marching band uniform. Right, right. And this is when I learned that, no, 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 he's not 18, he's 25. Mm-hmm. and an Did adult, you
0: um, ask him or... Did you just notice right away?
2: It sort of came out. Mm -hmm. Like he mentioned having gone drinking recently and I, you know, drinking age is well past 21. I'm not that old. And Mm so I was like, oh, I thought you were 18 You know, it came out. And in the moment, it wasn't like a lightning bolt so much as just a another layer of cool. Mm -hmm. Mm. And I, I think about it now and I thought about it quite a bit when I was in my 20s. Now, by the time I was twenty-five, I had a three-year-old, and so when I would think about it in my twenties, it was with a certain degree of rage. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But I even when I was eighteen, I would think about this is the equivalent of me dating a nine-year-old when no. I'm eighteen. Like, Gro- right. I'm gross. Mm-hmm. The layout, uh,
1: big age gap.
2: It was big. It was wrong. But I didn't. I was now. As a backstory, I was uh, sexually assaulted at 12 uh, by a stranger, and it was significantly violent, and I mm-hmm. was left with serious PTSD from that. And through sets of circumstances, which would be a whole other episode, I was a- able to, question mark, hide it from my parents, mm-hmm. and so... At this point, at 14, I'm two years past that in sort of raging, untreated PTSD. Mm -hmm. I was terrified all the time. I was very anxious. I was hypervigilant. Like, I I sensed danger in places Mm -hmm. where danger was not. I, I had trouble controlling my memory in the sense that, like, if I started thinking about what had happened, I couldn't stop until the whole thing was done. Right. So I was... Messed up kid and f- being around this adult, and he was the first adult I ever told, and for him behave in a very protective i thought mm-hmm. way i could be around him you know yeah. I, I i guess i felt like this was one of the first people that i could be open around you know because i didn't even tell my friends because they didn't get it like mm-hmm. they didn't know what to say they were 14 i mean what are they gonna say
1: yeah. seems like you had been suppressing what happened to you for a while and if he was the first person you told you probably formed a pretty strong bond yeah.
2: well it, it, like I said, it, it let me feel like, I, you know, I could tell him and he didn't run and he didn't immediately tell me I was wrong or worthless or gross or broken. All the things that you worry about.
1: Yeah, because you didn't know any better at that point.
2: And so it wasn't a bond exactly. Because like, you know, how some people when you're around them, you feel like they're just inscrutable. Like you want to knock on their foreheads like is somebody here Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and it wasn't like a you know a mental illness or disability or something he just wasn't or couldn't tap into emotions and you know messy stuff like Ah, that
1: interesting
2: like i said it wasn't a bond with him so much as me trying on this different persona me me feeling what it felt like to be able to say Mm -hmm. this is what happened to me i survived it And I'm scared all the time. And to have somebody else go, yeah, okay, do you want pizza? Like, that was oddly Uh, reassuring. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it could let me be me and it let him just sort of, okay, next topic. And so everybody kind of got what they wanted. And I didn't realize that that's messed up.
1: Yeah, because no reaction feels better than the shame that you think you're going to get if you tell someone.
2: Exactly, exactly. And, I mean, there were so many layers to that 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 were wrong. And in retrospect, right, like... He's too old. He's really too old because he's lied about it. Now he's extra too old. Mm-hmm. He's cool with being with a 14-year-old. And knowing she's sneaking out of her house, that was not a problem for him. And he hears that she's got significant trauma, and yet he's like, eh, whatever. Huh. So we started meeting. In the layout of my home at the time, we had like a, a ranch-style house that was... From the street level, it was just one floor, but around the back, it was two floors, you know, because it was on the side of a hill. Mm -hmm. And so my parents and sisters, their bedrooms were upstairs. Mine was the only bedroom in the basement, and there was a back door out the basement. So I could literally turn right out of my bedroom and walk outside and Nobody yeah, you see where this is going. (laughs) So I spent a lot of nights not at home. Mm -hmm. And he would pick me up. We we had like we weren't even using code or being sneaky about it. It was going on the BBS and saying, you know, I'll pick you up at eleven. So We would sneak out a lot. And I never had intercourse with this guy. I don't think I could have coped. I think it was too close to everything that happened. But he was the first person I was physically intimate with in any way. It was a lot of backseat stuff. You know, things that you could do in the back of this whatever car it was. Some sort of sedan.
1: Not a whole lot of room.
2: (laughs) You know, so there was stuff going on. But it was fairly Mm. limited. Was it um, that
0: his... It wasn't his preference? He just wasn't interested in that? Or was he scared, do you think, of getting caught?
2: I think it was a case that I couldn't move at a very fast pace. Mm -hmm. And he knew he was out with a 14-year-old. And so both of us were moving slow. Okay. Okay. You know, it didn't feel... It felt to me like all things considered, it would have continued down the road into sex. In fact, let me rephrase that to say 100% it would have. Okay. Got it. It was just progressing. So here's the anecdote. Here's the moment where it was, it, it, here's my tipping point. So we are in the back. It's, kind of, it was a Camaro, if I'm being accurate. So it was a two door sedan. So it was bad. And we're in the backseat and mm-hmm. in, in the middle of the night in upstate New York. And things are what they are. <laughs> and suddenly there's a flashlight and a knock on the window.
3: Oh,
0: mm.
1: sinking feeling.
0: Where did he bring you? Do you mind me asking? Like, are you in a park or something? Yeah, park.
2: Like a public park Mm -hmm. And we were the only car In the parking lot And of course Police are gonna patrol I mean Over the course of this Quote unquote relationship I had been to his home once And that made me Very uncomfortable Because he Mm -hmm. still Lived with his mom Oh,
3: so here's God. another
2: layer: that his mom was okay with it? Oh, she was okay. She with it.
1: she met you. Yeah, hey,
2: I met his mother, and she was very oh. like.
0: I just like I thought you said that she wasn't okay, and then I realized what you said.
2: Oh my oh my God. God. Oh. There were so many red flags. So that made me very uncomfortable. Just picture what you imagine like Ted Bundy's bedroom to be like: okay. like weird posters and not very clean, and mm-hmm. lots of just weird. Just I had a bad vibe. So. Oh. That was sort of step one. And then after that, we're in this vehicle in the middle of nowhere, you know, in a, you know, in a park. And all of a sudden there's a cop knocking on the window. It can't be in the park after darkness. And I still, in retrospect, cannot figure out why a Boston accent was there. But that's what it was. Mm. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> for reasons unknown, they did not ask for ID because oh, wow. I didn't have any yet. Right. Yeah.
1: That's crazy.
2: They may have asked him for ID. I don't know but mm-hmm. he would have. you
0: look it. older than you were at 14 i don't think so. i certainly didn't look 18 okay so this was it was the cops
1: so it's strange that-
0: yeah for him not to check
2: but i think because they probably ran the plates they probably saw that there were no outstanding warrants mm-hmm. and just decided look it's your first warning just go away mm-hmm. you know and i'm not sure what they saw i don't recall at what Degree of intimacy we were at at that point, but they just sort of let it go. So, whatever. That was my tipping point. Like, oh, oh no. (laughs) This is because I'm thinking of how much trouble I'm going to get in if the cops call my parents from the police station and say, come pick her up. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, that's where my brain goes. I'm not thinking. That if there's trouble, it's probably on him. I'm just thinking I'm going to get my ass kicked if my parents Mm. get called.
1: Oh, yeah. And they didn't know you were going out, right?
2: At all. And a lot of that has to do with the PTSD and the poor, like, it was just poor communication with my parents. Like, I didn't think, I didn't know whether I could trust them. with This version of me. And now I can tell you, again, 100%, I couldn't. They reacted very Uh, poorly when they found out. I understand that reacts poorly so Mm. there's a certain degree of accuracy in me being frightened about them finding out yeah after that i was like look we're done like i i can't do this this is more stress than fun we're done so Mm. okay that messed with me in many ways not in the sense of it hurt me so much as it taught me incorrect things about intimacy and trust and adulthood and so on right did you
0: feel like that would have happened if you hadn't been assaulted when you were 12? Like this whole thing, do you feel like that played a huge role in, in what happened later?
2: I think I probably still would have snuck out because my one of my best friends would sneak out with me. Mm-hmm. But when she snuck out with me, we always kept together and we got boyfriends that were of an appropriate age that we were seeking out to see. So I probably still would have. And I probably even would have met the guy once. But I think that if I had not been assaulted, I wouldn't have continued seeing the guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned a lot of things perhaps about myself and I learned some wrong things about human relationships. But I also was able to sort of trust my own something-is-wrong-here instinct. Yeah. And the reason I know that is because several months later, I get a message from him, sort of out of the blue, on the BBS. Can we get together? I want to talk. I'm stressed out. He says, 25-year-old approaching a 14 year old asking for help mm-hmm. right
1: like what help is a 14 year old gonna give a 25 year old
2: <laughs> I may have been all 15 by now you never mm-hmm. know
0: <laughs> <laughs> that makes a huge difference
2: <laughs> clearly you know that extra six months makes all difference. Mm-hmm. I don't know so we're back at a marching band break at a football game I'm in my uniform it is fantastic and he says I'm having a hard time because I think my girlfriend is pregnant oh <laughs> and I say to him totally kidding what is she like 15 and he goes well well,
1: yeah <gasps> oh my gosh
2: oh wow but wait there's more and i'm like all right well uh you know uh, what are you supposed to do you know like, but- wh- what is, what's what's the plan so abortion was legal in new york at the time and so i'm like are you considering abortion or like what mm-hmm. and he's like no, no 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 no, we're gonna keep the baby and i'm hoping she'll marry me she seems happy to be pregnant and i'm like no 15 year old in the f- history of 15 year olds has ever been happy to be oh, pregnant yeah, yeah 10
1: years of age
2: difference. right but what's the problem then Jeff, tell me. Well, her mom is also pregnant. <gasps> what? And I'm like, Jeff, Jeff, how old is her mom? He's like, oh, she's like 30, 32. Oh. something like that. Not, th- not very old, you know. She, so she 30 had
1: thirty-year-old with a fifteen-year-old daughter. Exactly.
2: So she had the child at fifteen. I'm, a, I'm from upstate New York. I got redneck cred here. So he's twenty-five. Mom's thirty. Kid is fifteen. Wow. So mm. I'm totally joking, especially because, as has been proven, I know he goes for the young ones. So I said, Jeff, who's the father of the mom's baby? He goes, I am. Oh, what? That's crazy. Well, stop and picture that family tree for a second. <laughs>
1: oh, he's really got himself in the my pickle. Grandpa's <laughs> my grandpa's my I'm my own
2: grandpa, right? So, uh, you know, I was able to sort of pat myself on the back, like, woo, near miss. Yeah,
1: no kidding.
2: But, you know, so the issue here is that, I mean, did he harm me? No, no, you know, no. Mm -hmm. He was sexually inappropriate, Mm -hmm. but I had already been hurt much, much worse. And so mm-hmm. it's all perspective. Mm-hmm. But did he mess me up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, six ways from Sunday, he messed me up. It was not good. So that's the first story. Wow. But that helped set me up, right? So now I've had okay. this sexual assault. And now I've had this person who has effectively communicated to me like, you belong with older people. You know, you kind of, he he, he would say things like, you're so mature, you really don't belong with kids your own age. Kids your own yeah. age. And mm-hmm. No, oh, I can't believe you're only 14. You know, those I was—I didn't realize she's being groomed, but it's being groomed. Yeah,
1: other people aren't educating you on what you should be doing, so this mm-hmm. is the first adult that's talking to you about it. This is the kind of information you're getting. Then
0: how are you supposed to know that you're being groomed? At 14, why are you supposed to be able to catch it,
2: you know? Well, that's, yeah. that's what I was just thinking, Is I wonder if anybody ever knows they're being groomed. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I mean, if it's possible to groom them, probably not.
2: And I think we're all groomable in in some degree. You know, the best you can do is just kind of keep your eye open for are the relationships around you safe and you know do you feel that you can both walk to them with problems and walk away if you have to and, yeah but that took me a long time to get to so mm. you know the seeds he planted were the boys your age don't know what they have in you you're you're, you're more mature you're so much smarter you know like that where it's like no i wasn't Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: oh no i can totally relate to that those kind of comments
2: but you absorb it that became part of my self-image this idea that I can only be myself around older people that sex is an appropriate activity to engage in, you know, with older people. Um, especially, you know, like the fact that his mother was aware of me and didn't have a problem with it that really reinforced like this must be fine. Must be right. okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. It's no really kidding. weird. <sighs> right? So, hmm. it's more about the foundation that was laid inside my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, then not terribly much longer the end of my junior year all of these things come together so the next fun little anecdote is that my freshman year biology teacher at high school was an alcoholic and i say that both without judgment and without doubt because she would leave the class and you she had like a little office attached to her room and she would go and drink we could see her drink like we could watch her pour a shot and drink it it, it just was what it was And and so
1: while you were in the classroom Gutsy. Wow.
2: <laughs> right? I mean that's how far gone she was that she didn't yeah. even try to hide it from the kids anymore. Wow. And she she was fired the following year for inappropriate behavior in the classroom because then she'd get drunk and she'd get mad so you tried to juggle your your schedule around because if you got her in the morning all she would do is leave class and drink and if you got her in the afternoon she would yell
1: glad they caught on eventually
2: weird things happen to me like this <laughs> yeah. sort of stuff does not happen to normal people i'm saying
1: no anything you've told us so far you can't script that
2: <laughs> right I, you can't make this stuff up so because of this basically you were on your own if you were going to pass now in in New York it's called the Regents exams. They're like statewide uh, in in Massachusetts it's it's like the MCAS exams. You know, every state has like its standardized testing. Mm-hmm. And so the students had to sort of band together. And sort of walk themselves through the biology book to figure out how we're we going to pass this class, you know, for the state testing. And I was a smart kid. I was, you know, high, I, I don't like high IQ because all IQ measures is how good you are at taking IQ tests. But I was, I was a smart kid. And so I decided I was going to go ahead and try. To study for and take the AP exam, advanced placement. Because why not? You know, because the worst thing that happens is they spend, my parents drop however much it was. You know, my parents, my parents had me at 17. So that's part of another layer of why all this seemed normal to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sure. just, just what happens. But I figured, you know, worst, worst thing is that I try to take the exam. I get a poor grade and I take it again my senior year. Like,
0: Yeah, yeah. Really nothing to
2: lose. Exactly. And so I went back onto the BBS. And I advertised in the sciences forum for a tutor. And this one particular guy, I'll call him Charles, sort of leapt at the opportunity and volunteered himself for free. So there's my red my red uh. light. There's my warning sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sure, why not? And so he came to my home. Like, he met my parents and came to my house as my bio tutor. He was 19. I was 14. And it started off as studying for biology. Like, mm-hmm. that's... All it was, my high school, it was sort of in the the business district and we had an open lunch period. You could leave the campus and get Mm -hmm. lunch anywhere. Let's meet for lunch. Let's meet after school. You know, oh, you stayed late after school. Let me buy you dinner. See, you know, it starts to, you are so good at this. You're so smart. I would never guess that you're a freshman. And I've heard this stuff already once before. And so it doesn't sound weird. Mm Mm-hmm
1: yeah and you're viewing him as a tutor someone that you should be able to respect and look up to
2: in theory but you know now I'm moving in the direction of I wouldn't say hypersexualized but over sexualized like I'm starting to really find value in myself as a sex object you know to a mm-hmm. degree like I this is this is how I get attention from people mm-hmm. is by being smart and by behaving sexually
3: uh. right.
2: So I'm flirting and he's not saying like, Hey, that's, that's not appropriate. Knock it off. Because I mean, Mm. go ahead and find me a kid, you know, an adolescent girl or boy who doesn't develop some sort of crush on the older teen. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's inevitable.
2: Yeah. He's paying, he's taking me to dinner and he's paying attention to me and he's starting to pick me up in his car and I'm kind of able to show my friends like, well, look, I don't have to get on the school bus to get home.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And it should be his responsibility to be like, no.
2: And, you know, again, I think about when I was 19, you know, I would think about kids that were five years younger than me. Like, ew.
0: Yeah. Right. Like, we were way too cool for them. <laughs>
2: if you're 19. I was in college by then. And I remember, like, my first thought would be liability. I don't want them in my car.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Stain the seats.
2: God knows. Or just, you know, if I get in an accident when they're in my car, what does that do to my insurance? Like that's how I'm starting to think at 19 because by 19 I had my own apartment and Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, at 22 I had my first kid. So a lot of this I think builds into, I grew up real fast.
1: Yeah. A lot faster than that other guy.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Right. Seriously. So (laughs) it, I think it did start innocently enough. I think he was looking at this as like a resume builder, Mm. um, especially because he could put it as volunteer tutor. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, yeah, that makes sense. So
1: you don't think he went in with like bad intentions?
2: I mean, he met my parents. I think if he was going in with bad, bad intentions, he would have started meeting me at the library or something, you know. But mm-hmm. I, I, it started off above board, and he continued to meet my parents. You know, he, he continued to we'd sit at my kitchen table to do a lot of the work. But then like I said, you know, it was meeting me at lunch or he would do things like pick me up after school by the school buses and then effectively follow my school bus home and drop me off. So I was getting just that 10 minutes, 20 minutes with him. And he would coach it as like, this gives us time to chat so that next time we study, we can just go right in. You know, There's, so there's always, always a, a reason. reason. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then it was, why don't you keep a You know, I'll buy a copy of this textbook and keep it at my place so that if you ever forget or lose yours, I'll have it. And then it was, well, since we've got the textbook at my place anyway.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Oh,
2: yeah. And the first time I went there, his roommates were there and we sat at his kitchen table and it was a little weird. The roommates were all like, she's dude, 14. Mm hmm. But again, we had a legit task that we were performing, and his apartment was like half a mile from my high school, so it sort of there was a twisted logic to it all
1: seemed innocent enough at the time.
2: it seemed like it, but then it started to be, a, well, my roommates won't be home, let's go there instead of the library and then, you know, of course, I'm flirting back in my fourteen mm-hmm. year old way, you know, and it just sort of built mm-hmm. and built and mm-hmm. then in May is are uh, the a p exams, and I took. The exam, and there's like a six-week waiting period. And during that time, he's like, let's just get together and just sort of talk it through. Talk through the exam to sort of reassure me. And by this point, my BS meter should have been off the charts, but instead I was like, okay.
1: <laughs> like, mm. what difference does it make now?
2: <laughs> I'm saying, yeah. but okay. And so we'd go out to eat, or we'd go hang out. but let's watch a movie. You want to lay down? You tired? Let's just watch a movie. Let's just hang out. Put your head on my shoulder. It's fine. You're going to be fine on the test. And I'd be like, hey, I'm not nervous. Oh, no, 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 it's okay put your head on my shoulder it's fine mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can i play with your hair you know and, and oh. in that so that total like stretch and yawn and arm around me kind of deal
1: oh manipulation
2: well he's zeroing in slowly exactly it was, not, exactly. Yeah. It was that slow so it, it's like do you watch american ninja warrior
0: no i've watched it a a couple times. Oh yeah.
2: I mean, my eight-year-old adores it. And so oh, it's one of the shows I can watch with him because I try not to watch true crime with my eight-year-old, right? Solid parenting decision. <laughs> <laughs> <There you go. laughs> but so on it, they have these obstacles that people go through. And mm-hmm. every successive season, it gets harder a little bit because the people who could do it, they become acclimated to it. And so you have to push them a little bit harder every time. So if they had Mm -hmm. started off season one with obstacles as hard as they have now, everybody would have stood around sucking their thumbs and crying. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, that's, that's the show where you have to get through an obstacle course without like falling off the ninja. Okay. (laughs) I remember watching that. They're not
2: actual ninjas. No, there's no like swords and stuff. (laughs) Although that would be cool. Granted, that would be cool. (laughs) But so that's, the best crappy analogy I can come up with is that, like, if from day one he had come up to me and been like, hey, I'm your bio tutor. Why don't you come to my house and lay down on the couch and I'm going to, you know, low-key aim for some side boob action. How do you feel about that?
1: Then you would have known.
2: (laughs) You know, but when it's been three months or six months or whatever it was of building up steadily... With my mm-hmm. parents, as far as I knew, they're thumbs up. And so I went with it. Plus, it feels good. Mm-hmm. You know, It feels good to have somebody rub your back. It feels good to have somebody touch you. It feels good to make out. It feels good, you know, around the basis. It all feels good. And so it progressed. And then pretty soon he was the one picking me up at midnight, except in his case, I was spending the night at his apartment.
0: Wow. And then going home super going early. Home,
2: super early so that i could change and go to school oh wow it seems exhausting yeah but when you're 14 you've got endless energy right so Mm -hmm. so my birthday present for turning 15 was oral sex Mm mm-hmm Oh uh, and I had a very hard time with that um, for many reasons, but primarily that uh, uh, you get too much time to think when you're way up here and he's way down there, you know what I'm saying? So that's when it started like, this is not studying biology, man. this is <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. This has gone off course.
1: Moved beyond the tutoring. Mm
2: -hmm. But again, I don't really know. You know, as far as I can figure, because like I could be a really smart kid, but I was really stupid about certain things because Mm -hmm. everybody follows their own set of logic from step to step to step to step. And so there's what's rational, which is sort of what everybody shares as being okay and not okay. And then there's logical. And so Mm -hmm. I have watched people in the middle of a full on manic episode. Or a psychotic, schizophrenic break. And I can see how they got there. Because I can follow step to step to step. There was a logic to this. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I think we talked about this last time we chatted about how people can have their own logic. And that's and what I was doing.
2: Is I was like, like, okay, you know, I I can look back at the steady progression here. Mm-hmm. And when I told him, like, I'm not okay with this, he immediately stopped. So how reassuring is that? Right. I had never been in control like that. I mean, either I was violently assaulted or I had to have a cop intervene before it stopped. Right. Like how exciting is this to feel like he's listening to me. He must really love me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: he's Like you think he's respecting you.
2: And so we had sex instead.
0: Oh,
1: <laughs>
2: well, the trade off. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, but, but, but it felt uh-huh. okay to me to say that mm-hmm. because he, I felt not totally disempowered and in retrospect like of course i was i was 15 years old you know what power do you have at 15 i couldn't drive myself away he lived several miles Mm -hmm. from my home you know a lot of bad stuff going on here
1: so he was in control but making it seem like you were in control
0: exactly well and he's scared of losing her i mean he's he's got what he's wanted so
1: yeah playing the nice guy routine
2: Yeah. And so in retrospect, like, did he start it with these intentions? I don't think so. But I think that once he realized this is how it could go, I think it was absolutely.
1: Took advantage. Mm
2: -hmm. Deliberate. I mean. Mm -hmm. So
1: like a combination of of your shaping from the past. And I mean, you're giving him little signals and he just took advantage of that.
2: Right. Because Mm -hmm. he knows, like I told him about. Um, Jeff. So mm-hmm. he knows I won't tell, right? He knows I'll go along with it. He knows that if he plays himself off, like, look, my bedroom is neat and clean, for instance, mm-hmm. like is a trade-off from what this other guy's was. If he plays off the fact that, well, I'm a teenager too, it, it all in a sick way, it made sense. And like I said, it felt good. Now the sex did not. And I learned very quickly to what's called dissociate, which is where you just mm-hmm. turn it off. You just, mm-hmm. you're not there. Uh, you're conscious, you're moving, you're engaging, you're probably making appropriate noises and movements, but your brain has shut down. It's overloaded. Is,
1: it's so sad because at that point, like, what's the point of even doing it?
2: Well, it was his point. <laughs> you know, it wasn't <laughs> <Yeah>. mine. <That's laughs> crazy. You know, and so that it didn't. So that went on for a little while, um, but not he very reminds, long.
1: What's that? He, I was just going to say he reminds me of Jim Wilder, the Emily Morris case where he was her her coach mm-hmm. and was always playing the good guy, respectful.
0: Well, they always play thing. the good guy. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. I mean, sometimes they're scary, but like uh, he was playing like well, these,
2: these cases. nice yeah. guy,
1: you know, yeah. not like threatening or anything like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, and, and it's hard for me to articulate it well because my dad is at heart a good guy and he's living in my house. And so,
3: you know, I have to be <laughs> sort of mm-hmm. careful.
2: But mm-hmm. m- for being a good guy, my dad wasn't a strong m- role model of what masculinity could be or should be. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like he. My dad would get angry in this explosive sort of temper. And so I was frightened of him all the time. Mm -hmm. And he he just, I didn't hear I love you until I went to college. It's just Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. how it rolled. And so this was my male figure, sort of. And it was sort of this father figure slash partner rolled into one, which is admittedly clearly sick, but it's what I had. Mm-hmm. And it
1: seems like there's a lot of factors that rolled into making you vulnerable.
2: And, I mean, I would argue there always are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I so think, so. like, Rosie, you could you could <laughs> probably back me up here that if someone had walked up to you just before you had met the individual you were involved in and said, mm-hmm. so, here's what it's going to look like on the stairs. Go. Right. <laughs> You're not going to well, be like, yeah. sign me up.
0: Yeah, it's almost as if... Um, these can zero in on your, you know, your weaknesses, the places where you're a little soft, and then kind of rope you in that way.
1: Gradually.
0: Yeah.
2: And I'm not yeah. sure that it's always deliberate, you know? I, I think that they probably bring their own insecurities, you know? Sure, What about you? Yeah. you prevents you from hooking up, hooking up with somebody your own age. hmm
3: Yeah.
0: Yes, yeah, so I've, I've also wondered that, like, w- what made it so hard for you to find someone in their 20s, you know? Right. <laughs> Was it really that hard? It-
1: and it seems like kind of an opportunist kind of approach, like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like they wouldn't have done it otherwise, but this opportunity popped up and then they took it.
2: Yeah, I think there's – yeah, I don't think they were sort of serial predators in that sense. Like – well, I mean, Jeff was, <laughs> clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah but i got a bad vibe from him for 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 charles i i think i was probably the one off for him and yeah you know he's probably married with kids of his own by now like i don't know that but that would be my guess um you know we got caught because i overslept oh <sighs> and so yeah my parents went down looking for me and i'm not in my room and i had left something out i don't remember what now some like letter he had sent over the summer or mm. you know or something that had a like, phone
0: number. Did you really leave it out or did they find it? Were they kind of snooping? I don't know. For
2: evidence. No. I don't know. I, I don't I yeah. don't remember because I can't remember what it was. I just know that something yeah. He had written something to me that had it had two things on it. It had his phone number and it had some sort of sentence that included the phrase blow job.
1: Oh. There you go. <laughs> so before this, did they have any like suspicion or was this all I don't like, think so. Everything just
0: blew up. Wow, you're good at hiding things.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Pride. My
0: parents were always suspicious. <laughs>
2: Well, um, so my parents had me very young, and like I said, my dad was always pretty closed off, and my mom was always sort of the breadwinner, but she was also closed off. She was very type A. She worked at IBM before women did that, and I mean, I didn't tell them that I had been assaulted for three years. Wow. And then when I did, it was sort of in the middle of a fight, in the middle of an argument, Mm -hmm. and so we didn't have a close relationship. They didn't ask Mm -hmm. What was going you know another another layer there's always layers another factor mm. here is that my sisters are respectively nine and 14 years younger than I am oh wow so okay. I'm 14
1: so they had a baby at that exactly
2: point. I had a my one sister is five years old the other's a baby they're busy and I'm a smart kid I'm doing well in school
1: They don't think they have to worry about you
2: they they just sort of assume everything's fine you know and so I, I don't know I I, I don't blame my parents, I don't, mm-hmm. I blame Jeff. I think he was a creeper. I, I think yeah. Chuck knew better and Charles knew better and and acted on it, but I don't blame anybody. Like, it's all a conglomeration of circumstances. Like we were talking about, like, I do wonder what happened in their lives to make them think, I want to get me a piece of that. Right. Yeah. Oh, Yeah totally
1: do you think that that all these things that happen play a role in your unique ability to like peel back events into you know what what actually led to these events or what actually made this happen
2: i probably i never thought about it because I spent a lot of time in therapy, eventually. Mm-hmm. Yay, therapy! <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I yeah. you know, I didn't... Uh, I didn't get help when I was assaulted. I didn't get any sort of therapy. Even three years later, when I told my parents there were two sort of abortive attempts at therapy that just went bad real fast. Mm-hmm. Because oh, I was 15. Yeah. And by then, I was 15, and I was pissed off. Mm-hmm. Just angry in the way only a teenage girl can be. Right. I mm-hmm. just... Angry at the whole world, angry at everything, and especially angry that now I've had my first two boyfriends, for lack of a better word, were illegal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, like, my parents didn't know about them. And they didn't know so many things about me. And I was just so angry that now things were coming out and they were out of my control. And I didn't have control over my emotions. And I didn't have control over my memory. And I was anxious all the time. And I was scared all the time. And I was pissed off, you know. And, And there's a whole just, there was a big friends blowout in high school. And I felt lonely. I felt betrayed in many ways. And ultimately, was able to go to college a year early. And I think that saved – I'm wow. certain that saved my life. Hmm.
1: Well, that's impressive.
2: I had started cutting by then. I had – and to me, cutting is not a suicide attempt mm-hmm. by any stretch. It's not even necessarily no. suicidal thought. You know, suicide is – at the end of the day, it's like the ultimate not going to feel anything anymore ever. And c- cutting is superficial and it's more about, I can't feel anything. Let me be in control of something. Let me feel something. Even if it hurts, yeah. it's better than feeling nothing. And I wasn't like, there's a sickness around cutting. There's a a whole culture, sort of, uh, for lack of a better word. There's a hierarchy. Like the, the when you start cutting, there are the real cutters. They're the ones who cut like everywhere. That was not me. I don't have scars, much that you can see, and mostly because I was able to get out this circumstance where I'm, I'm angry at my parents, I've got this untreated PTSD, I've got, I, I had moved on to, to age-appropriate boyfriends, but I still don't understand, like, appropriate boundaries. I don't know now how to be around people my own age. You know, I don't, I don't know what that means. Like, am I, am I really more mature or should I be friends? Like, I don't, I, it was all messed up.
1: Yeah, you got this kind of distorted worldview.
2: Yeah. And so, you know, I went to college a year early and I still was messed up. I was messed up through college. There was, I was drinking a lot. I was whatever, it, whatever. But then, you know, I graduated college, I started grad school. And during my second year at grad school is when I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Oh well. And I've married my, my college bartender, my college. <laughs> 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 <Aww>. <laughs> and I had this realization as soon as I because I knew I was pregnant like very early on. Because he had proposed, we had started planning the wedding and I was so tired. I couldn't even like open the, this is back in the days of like wedding magazines and books instead of online, you know? And so like, <laughs> I couldn't even focus to do that. I was so tired. This is, you know, 1999. And so the internet is a thing, but it's a slow and painful thing. And I swear that I could have laid down on a city bus floor and taken a nap. Like very early on, I, I, I took this pregnancy test and I'm like, oh, I have to get my act together. Like, I can't continue to dissociate. I can't continue. I can't. I know the world is not dangerous all the time. I know it, but I feel like it is. I have to get better because i can't be the parent i need to be i can't i can't communicate to my kids everything's dangerous all the time you know what i mean yeah. like i can't be a good mom and be screwed up <laughs> for me for this is my mindset there are good mothers who are screwed up every single day and i am still to this day screwed up it's just a degree Kind of, you know, there are degrees of messed up.
1: Uh Yeah, you want to do your best for your children.
2: Exactly. I couldn't drink as much as I was. I couldn't tune out as much as I was. I couldn't be as intense and lost all the time as I was. And so I started therapy. Uh, You know, initially it was a fluke. I got hooked up with this woman who uh, worked through my college's mental health center, my grad school's mental health center. And then she went private just at the time that I happened to get private health insurance so you know I was able to follow her to her private practice and you know she got me mm-hmm. and you know she made a big difference and it was more just that she helped work me through a lot of this stuff so I would say it was her that helped me start learning how to unpack things and see things from different angles in different layers more than what I went through on its own because I think what i went through on its own it's not all that unique so all by itself that's not enough to Mm-mm. grow up and have a mindset that can tolerate sometimes sitting in uncomfortable views or feeling feeling empathy for serial killers or what you know some of the things i've been asked to do in my life and so this woman just tuned in on on how i think and one of the things that i needed that i didn't know i needed was to not just understand my own behavior why am i screwed up the way i am but to understand some of the other people that are coming i I needed to see these other people as human because it wasn't just me reacting to terrible monsters am i just surrounded by monsters am i attracting them how do i know who's next (laughs) going to be a monster is my perception of other people this bad Mm -hmm. so i needed somebody who's going to help me realize like most people the vast majority of people are not monsters even if they do monstrous things and so, you know, it was a long process. I, I was still in therapy after Emily was born. Mm-hmm. So it was several months, it wasn't forever because I don't think therapy should be. And that's another thing that she sort of laid that foundation that therapy is about learning how to function a little bit differently and then going back to your life and then yeah. you can return if you need to, but it, you shouldn't be in therapy visual quotes here Mm -hmm. in therapy like it's a Mm -hmm. lifestyle because then how do you fly on your own right yeah Yeah, it's
1: about making progress right that's amazing though that how i mean i know your personal experience therapy Mm
2: -hmm.
1: i mean saved your life well
0: to me it's so it's therapists they um they Play such a key role in recovery to me anyways in my experience because they take the thing that I'm staring at but they revolve it so I see it from a different angle and then that just like blows my mind and gives me the answer that I needed it's not even like a different answer it was just like seeing it from a different angle seeing it from a different way Mm -hmm. but at the same time like you said Kate you can't live off of therapy like you can't be spoon-fed every day you know given this a dose of therapy you got to use it to your advantage and then kind of Grow. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. Mm -hmm. But I still I get my um, you know, a shot from now and then. (laughs) You you chop up, yeah.
2: Every once in a while. You know, and and exactly. I I mean I I remember still, you know, I got very sick in twenty ten and and I spent it's a whole other story, but I spent a week and a half in a coma and when I came Um. out like, mm-hmm. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what had happened. I didn't, whatever. And so I was still in the ICU, which I was only in the ICU for like three or four days after the coma before they moved me to a regular medical floor. So I know it was very early on. And my husband was sitting in my bedside and I looked at him and I said, we need a therapist. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. we, ASAP, we need to get in therapy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, because like, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know what has changed except everything. Yeah. And, you know, so I think... There's times where you just top up a little because it's like, look, life is life is wearing me down here, and I can't seem to. I've lost that perspective. Mm-hmm. And then there's other times where you're like, whoa, oh, my tank is empty.
1: And there's no shame in going back when you need it. Mm-hmm. But that it's a good therapist though, when when instead of just trying to get a repeat customer to keep paying them, they actually want to help you get to a point where you don't need it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got a lot of stories.
1: Yeah, every time every time I hear you talk, I just more and more questions pop in
0: my head. Have you ever considered making a podcast of just your life? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's well, that's some of what my uh, Patreon is is throwing in some yeah. of the, the personal stories. <laughs> but I, I've i wondered about that.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, that idea of like, why why does weird stuff keep happening? Because it's not <laughs> all bad by any uh-huh. stretch, but it's weird. Like, one of my superpowers is that I win radio contests. Why? Why? Well, I me mean, really why. Huh. oh i wish i had that but i mean I've, I've gone to literally i probably won tickets to 20 concerts <gasps> what?
1: wow yeah. on the spectrum of interesting lives you're definitely on the more interesting side
2: and so like, <laughs> i think though that to a degree it all builds on itself it creates itself do you know what i mean mm-hmm. so like the fact that my parents were so young made me be a very independent kid mm-hmm. and that makes me when i'm off on my own I'm more vulnerable to weird stuff happening. And mm-hmm. the fact that I was a smart kid means I was more aware of my circumstances. And so I was paying attention to things or I was on the internet early. Um, you know, it all sort of builds up. The fact that I was assaulted once means that I'm more vulnerable to mm-hmm. future victimization because I have a weird sense of boundary inappropriateness. Yeah. You know, but I mean, the fact that I win radio contests is because I answer them.
1: Yeah, true. I don't mm-hmm. think I ever have. I have.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so how do you feel like you're doing now do you feel like um you've been moving past everything successfully and you're you're good to go or where are you at
2: for now mm-hmm. you know right now I'm in a good place I, I have had a challenging say decade you know I mean 2010 mm-hmm. when I was in the coma and there were some some dark days past that I have a lot of medical challenges I just found out today that I have Lyme disease so yeah. I mean bring it
3: You know, it all just adds
2: up and it adds up and stuff like that. Like, I'm pretty sure there's nothing about, you know, my collective experience, life experience up to this point that let me get bit by a tick and now I have Lyme disease. Like, I'm pretty sure those are not related. But I, I have a lot going on and... It sounds stupid to me when I hear it said, but I feel like having the podcast makes a big difference um, Mm -hmm. because it gives me something very structured and a lot of busy work, and it takes a lot of attention away from whatever else might stress me. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: and you're putting a lot of good out in the world. I mean, I don't want to say it's good that any of these things happen, but when you are able to learn from the things that happen to you and then share things with other people that you learn, and you've made a huge difference in the way I think about things and view people in a good way. I mean, it's just cool that you're able to share your your knowledge and what you've learned from your life experiences to help other people.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that. I feel like that's sort of wh- I, why not? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you're going to laugh or you're going to mm-hmm. scream with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You've got to use your life experiences or you fester in them.
1: Yeah, and it takes a lot of hard work and courage to be able to do that. I mean, pe- a lot of people might be able to do it, but they don't, you know? So it's cool that you put the time in. And
2: What's funny to me, is, and, I, and Rosie can speak directly to you about this, is do you feel brave for having t- told your story?
0: Um, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's taken me a long time to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So you were scared, but told it anyway.
0: Yeah, I was. I was. I was really. I was really nervous. But I was more so nervous after for a couple of days, and then yeah. I'm, now I'm normal again. But
1: well, and a couple of days ago, there was some backlash. Yeah, from some backlash. people that know us personally. So, mm-hmm. so she she had a little bit of a panic, but we we're like, you know what? It's her story, and she was brave enough to share it, and yeah
0: <laughs> but now I feel like you know i I've
2: got this story, so I might as well
0: use it, you know, <laughs> like yeah,
2: like I'm, why and not that's what I get like I don't feel especially brave or not, it's just like matter of fact, it's like I don't care whether mm-hmm. people believe it or not, I mean yeah, that's, that is what fueled my meltdown that ultimately why I left high school the year early is mm-hmm. because my what I thought was best friend at the time mm-hmm. when it came out to not even when I came out to my parents with the story so much as like, like a year or so later um mm-hmm. there was this whole deal but where I she knew about it I had told her about it but I had a panic attack during a chorus concert at a neighboring school yes. and mm-hmm. it was because I, I believed I saw the attacker mm-hmm. in the audience what well, uh-huh. would we'll do it and She her response was, you are full of shit. It never happened. Get over yourself. Oh,
1: my
3: gosh.
2: Mm -hmm. And then that wasn't enough. So she went around to all of our shared friends and told them Kate's a liar. Oh. What? Making up this story. She just wants attention. Just blah, blah, blah. And, you know, in retrospect, I feel like, so what if I did? Like, seriously, Mm -hmm. what does it matter to you? If I just wanted attention, either give it to me or don't. Like, whatever. But I also look at it like, look, this is my reality, whether you like it or not. And, I mean, as recently as, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, my my mother still does not believe it ever happened. Wow. She'll tell me, you were never assaulted. And the the best I can get out of her, because I've asked her flat out, like, okay, so tell me, Mm -hmm. am I lying or am I delusional? Like, tell me, which it was. And she won't answer but you know it's like which which could it be but her but for the best i can get out of her is that here's her logic and again this is sort of how i talk about everybody has their logic and hers is only a bad mother would not recognize that a 12 year old has been violently sexually assaulted only a bad Uh. mother would not be able to tie together the symptoms of ptsd I cannot okay. possibly be a bad mother because I've decided to define myself as a good mother. And so, therefore, those things didn't happen and I'm a good mother.
0: Wow.
1: So she has trouble with the acceptance.
0: Well, she's making about uh, herself. Like, I'm hearing a lot yeah, of lies. No
1: yeah, no yeah.
2: okay. I have had to do a lot of work. I don't forgive her for that. I just accept mm-hmm. her. Like, she's yeah. good to yeah. my husband. She's good to my kids. And she makes me absolutely crazy. And so I only drink when she visits. That's, you know, that's what i <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. if your own mother doesn't believe you, yeah, you know, yeah. But so she took me to therapy. But then when it didn't take click after one session, she was like, oh, you must not really be sick. And, yeah. you know, and I asked her another time. I'm like, then why was I sneaking out strangers? Because mm-hmm. those two, by the way, were the were just the long term interactions I had. There were many other one night, like not one night stands. I wasn't sleeping with them, but one night sneak outs. You know, at least once we crossed state lines in the middle of the night with strangers whose names I didn't know. Like, this was my th- oh, this was a thing. Yeah. And I would ask my mother, like, why would I do these things then? What was either what did you do wrong as a parent or what was wrong inside me? And she was like, well, oh, I, 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 I don't know. Maybe you just like, you know, were over sexualized as a teenager. And I'm like, no, no, that's the behavior. You know, that's where did that come from? Did I have too many hormones? Did I what you know, what's the deal? Mm-hmm. And she just and that's you know, scary. She was effectively like, well, you were kind of a slut. Like, that was literally her attitude. Oh,
0: that's that's such a sad relationship to have.
1: Yeah. And it's scary because it could have gotten, it could have gone a lot worse than it did, like, sneaking off with strangers. like.
2: And and now Mm -hmm. you think about, so this is why when I'm in the back of the car with Jeff and there's a police officer knocking on the window, my biggest fear is what are my parents going to do?
1: Yeah, especially when you don't feel like you you don't feel comfortable even talking to them because you know they're gonna overreact or not not They're not gonna take my
2: side. They're not even gonna listen to my side. It's just is that was my thought then. Like maybe if I had told my mother sooner she would have believed me. Maybe part of the reason she didn't believe me I know that part of the reason she doesn't believe me is because she didn't think I could have hit it for three years. You know,
0: mm-hmm. and I wish I could give you some of my mom.
1: <laughs> I know. You have a good mom. <laughs>
0: yeah. My mom's a pretty big supporter. But,
1: but that that is what's really um, cool about podcasting is even though you do have to deal with the hate from just idiotic people, you do find your the people that understand you. It's been really cool is finding people that understand because I mean with this the backlash we had this last week—it's people that know us in real life, and we don't even know who the person was because they didn't have the balls to talk to us directly. They told one of um, Rosie's family members, and
2: Ugh.
1: and they told us that someone was making a stink, but they couldn't tell us who it was. And it just—I'm like, okay, well, if they don't have the balls to tell us to our face, then I guess I don't even care what they think. So
2: there's, the, I it's mean, just. I think- you find I mean, any community, you know, is going to have its share of ass hattery, but there's also good people out there. And mm-hmm. I mean, I have other family members that I rely very heavily on, but I think one, one of the things that this whole experience did for me, you know, by, by walking away from these two guys. And, and and literally just walking away. Like I never heard from them again after high school mm-hmm. is sort of that demonstrated, like you can do that. You mm-hmm. can identify a relationship is unhealthy and you can step away. And yeah. so, you know, there's positives. And I feel like that's Silver what you take lining. from all of it. And so that's like what you're taking from what you're talking about is like, <laughs> look, if they don't have the cajones to step up and say, Hey, here's me. Here's what I think. Yeah. Screw them. Yeah. You know, uh, it, and so it's not an easy process, but then learning like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know what? My story is what it is. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just a fact. It just stands there and you don't have to agree with it or not. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Well, now,
1: Yeah.
0: yeah it's like, it's mine. It's like
1: and especially mine. when, <laughs> when you were the victim in the story <laughs> and it's your story, you should be able to tell it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. See, I still struggle with the word victim. I've never felt like it. I've I always got- felt like a victim is somebody who does not. Thrive in my Mm -hmm. world. This is my world. This is not the definition of the world word. It's just how I function. And for me, a survivor is somebody who looks at it and is like, okay, screw that. I'm going to move up bigger. Not Mm -hmm. right away. Yeah. I mean, you spend your time, you know, lolling around miserable, but a victim is somebody who can't get up again.
1: Yeah. And it's a, I mean, a temporary state too. If, if you were a victim and then you you
2: can't, you can't speak about it anymore. When you're a victim, like you, I mean, you guys write your whole podcast the voice of the victim is this idea of you're speaking for those who can't Mm -hmm. right where whereas for me i can obviously speak for myself you know i have trouble not (laughs) talking (laughs) Mm -hmm. but so i i don't i just i don't identify with it Mm -hmm. but it's absolutely to me it doesn't matter whether they're victim perpetrator survivor onlooker it doesn't matter what your role is in a in a situation everybody has their view and it's valid. Like everybody has their story Yeah. and no story, no one story is any more not special. That's not the right word, but just no one story is more real than any of the other stories. Like they all Mm -hmm. have their validity. It's just that some of them are, are, are hurtful or wrong.
1: It's an unquantifiable thing. Like, like it's not about ranking things. It's about, you know, what, what can we learn from this? Yeah. You know, right. how can we move forward and make the best? So of if
2: it? I don't understand how and why a perpetrator does what they do, how am I going to prevent it or avoid it or protect protect my kid? So I don't know. It's just a word that I like my brain st- sticks on. I trip on mm-hmm. when I think about it. Like, I don't think of myself as a, r- a victim of rape. I think of myself as a survivor. And maybe that's just because I'm. in in denial or i'm arrogant or i don't you know there's probably a word for it but
1: you're i think you're right (laughs) i mean i don't know anything but i mean definitely at the time it was happening you were a victim but Mm -hmm. you've moved past that state and Mm -hmm. and now you're a survivor
2: yeah and i think that's that's exactly like when you're in the moment of being a victim When you are being victimized, Mm -hmm. you can't speak for yourself or if you do, you're not listened to. Mm -hmm. And so there's something sort of disempowering, disempowered to that. And that's, you know, and so I don't want you to think that I'm saying like, listen, the whole name of your podcast sucks because I don't (laughs) think so. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think I feel like you absolutely are. You know, you're telling stories that need to be told and speaking for people who can't speak for themselves. And so that matters.
0: Yeah, I guess um for me, when I, you know, when I first went into therapy, I was very, very angry. I was a fairly angry teenager <laughs> at that yeah. point. And I was like, I am not a victim. Like, I did this to myself. This is my fault, you know? So it took a long, it took a while for me to accept the fact that I was victimized. So then I, I've... i um, I all of a sudden I was finally like okay with the title of victim like okay this wasn't necessarily my fault and this is something that happened to me it's not something I chose you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so I went from absolutely not going to be a victim at all this is stupid to I'm okay with being a victim it happened and I'm working through it to now like I've moved on. Got the survivor trophy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Level up, right? Level uh-huh. up.
0: Yeah, yeah. I upgraded.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a, a a valid way of looking at it. I think it's similar. Like I needed to go through a time where I was able to own my own role in it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I brought this on myself because otherwise I'm powerless and I'm
0: yeah. Right, You know, otherwise all the everything that's happened, you know, was like a scam, you know, like, it, yeah, it happened yeah. to
2: me and poor me. And when is it going to happen again? Because <laughs> if I walked into two bad situations, how come I'm not going to walk into a third? Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, there was just a lot that was messed up. And so I needed to feel for a long time like I did this. There's something right. wrong with me. You know, I am oversexed. You know, mm-hmm. I am a slut. I am, but because that at least felt like I was owning it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, my poor husband now is like, you could <laughs> have more of a sex drive and be okay with me.
3: But you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so that's that.
0: Well, thank oh. you so much for your story. This is and it's awesome to have you as our first. I hope other people listening will also have the courage to come on our show. Yeah. And be able to look up to yours. And how easy it was.
3: <laughs>
1: they might be scared because of how disorganized we are. It's not like we're interviewing, we're just having a conversation.
2: Mm-hmm. Don't interview. I think, I mean, in my, in my experience, especially with uncomfortable stuff, it, the more structured you are, the less it's their story anymore. Right. True. Yeah. yeah. No, it's just a newspaper article. You know, and you're yeah. telling them how to tell it and you're telling them what to say, and that's off putting and it's not empowering so i think you do fine i think you, do thank, too. you.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you yeah you so much <laughs> thank you for carrying the episode since we were talking about it um i know our show is called voice of the victim but i mean we re- really don't care about the terminology to us that's not like the important thing to us it's about uh-huh. you know what we can learn mm-hmm. and so i mean it's pretty clear we're not experts on anything we're just trying to mm-hmm. To use the silver lining of of sharing uh, Rosie's story and, and just trying to make the best of it.
2: Absolutely. So. Well, and that's like you said, I said, I don't want to come across at all like I'm being critical. Oh, no. No, n- no not at all. It's just about how I think of myself and, yeah. you know, kind of talking myself through, like, why? What's the difference? And I think we hit on it.
1: Oh, you got another call coming up, so we don't want to keep you. <laughs> <laughs> so we hope you have some energy left for that. So thank you for listening to the Voice of the Victim podcast. If you enjoy our show, uh, definitely subscribe and be sure you're notified every week when we release our new episodes on Thursdays. And if you'd like to share your story with us, you can email us at vovpodcasts at gmail.com and we'll be sure to get back to you. Or you can find us on Facebook. Uh, You can also follow us on Instagram at vovpodcasts or on Twitter, at VOVpod. If you really love our show, you can support us on Patreon, and all the links will be in the show notes. Thank you for listening again, and we'll talk to you next week.
2: Something happened in the home. Someone possibly was killed there, at least one person, and uh, then they disappeared.
1: Texas is known for being tough on crime and those who commit it. Or at least the ones who get caught.
3: There are monsters among
1: us. 60% of violent crimes in Texas go unsolved, and a majority of victims rarely make the headlines. Gone Cold podcast, Texas True Crime, gives in-depth accounts of unsolved homicides and missing persons cases throughout the Lone Star State in an attempt to provide a voice for victims and their families
3: she was a loving person that's why after 13 years it's really bothering me still that nothing's been done nobody's been found
1: please join gone cold podcast on your favorite podcatcher as we examine these forgotten and often underreported crimes
3: you really have to pray and hope for those people that really know something